You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Doug Robbins. I really appreciate the standing ovation, but if you guys would like, you can sit for just a minute. And as you sit down, before you sit down, grab your tabernacle prayer handout because I'm going to be walking you through that in just a minute. Before I get to that, uh, I wanted to let you know in case you came in today last week, um, we started a series called 21 Days of Prayer in which we've committed ourselves to pray what? First, right? Pray first. So when you wake up in the morning, what are you going to do? Pray first. When you're stressed about work or you get sick, what are you going to do? Pray first, right? Before you go on that next date, what are you going to do? Pray first. Some of you are like, Pastor, I'm just praying that I can get a date sometime. I would love to have something to pray first for uh, on the love life front. Uh, So whatever we do, before we eat, we're going to pray first, right? But I got this great declaration that we said last week, and we're going to say it again this week, and I got it from a really great pastor named Chris Hodges, and he says, prayer is my first response, not my last resort. And so let's make that declaration together, and as we do, I'll say the first half of it, and you guys say the second half of the declaration. You guys ready to throw down on this one with me? Here we go. Prayer is my first response. Very good. And so uh, a lot of us committed last week to pray first with fasting because we know that fasting helps us to have a deeper connection with God in the midst of our prayers. And we committed to 21 days of fasting. Now, if you're coming this week, you weren't here last week, and you want to get in on the fasting with us, you can begin. Some of us are fasting from food and just drinking water for 21 days. Now, if you have a job that requires a lot of effort and that can be kind of difficult and strenuous, you probably don't want to do that. You also want to check with your physician. Some are doing the Daniel fast, which is where you drink water and juice and eat fruits and vegetables, but you don't eat meat. Others are doing a partial fast, right, where you fast from a particular food, like you might fast from meat or chocolate or coffee, Um, the the people at the coffee shop in the back don't like me saying that, but some of you are fasting from that. Others are fasting, doing a partial fast in that you're fasting from one meal uh, a day, or you're going one day without eating during the week, but you're not doing the full 21 days. Others are doing a media fast, fasting from social media or internet or TV. And last week, we gave out these little prayer... uh, bracelets, or not prayer bracelets, it's just a rubber thing that goes around your wrist, right? But it says pray on it, and then it also says fast on it. So if you're reaching into the refrigerator for that candy bar or ice cream or whatever, and you see the word fast, you're like, okay, that's a reminder, right? So uh, we want to remind ourselves and remember the commitments that we've made before the Lord to pray and to fast. Now, uh, remember we also said that Jesus wants us to keep our fast a secret so you don't tell everybody unless, you know, it's absolutely necessary that you tell them that you're fasting. And also, he said, remember, comb your hair and, you know, wash your face. Look good when you're fasting, right? And so some of you look really hot today. You know that? You know that? Are you fasting? You look so hot, you must be fasting. So turn to someone next to you, only someone that you think looks really hot, and say, you're so hot. Are you fasting? so hot. Are you fasting, Matt? That's good. That's good. So today, uh, we're going to address an issue that I've experienced in my own prayer life, particularly when I was a younger believer sometimes, and I would go to praying, 
and I really didn't feel like I was breaking through. Like, sometimes I didn't know what to say, right? I, I didn't know the words to say when I was praying, and then um, I really didn't know, like, um, um, what was going on in my head because I was easily distracted. Uh, I, would, I would try and pray. I tried to focus. You know, I'd close my eyes and everything, which, by the way, it never says in the Bible you have to close your eyes to pray, but I would close my eyes just so I could concentrate, right? And my mind would wander, and then when I would say something to God, you know, I would say some words, um, I'm out of material in about a minute, right? So, I, you know, I didn't know what else to say. I didn't know how to listen for God, and then, of course, the distraction was that. You ever feel like that? You ever go to the Lord in prayer, and you're like, man, I, I don't know what to say, and then my mind starts wandering, and I start going down the to-do list for the day and everything, and it's like, you, but, but you know, one of the parts for me, and maybe you've experienced this too, is that sometimes I'd feel like I'm just talking into the air. Have you ever felt that one? It's like I'm just talking, or maybe I'm having the thoughts, but I don't really know if anyone's here. Like, I don't sense that God is here. And so, really, what I want for you, what I want for me, is to be able to break through in prayer, to, to break through so that I know that God is there hearing my prayers. And I want you to listen from the Bible in Hebrews uh, what our prayer life can be like, how we can go uh, and break through into the Lord's presence in prayer. Look at Hebrews 10, 19. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain or the veil into the most holy place. Now, what you gotta understand about all of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, is that you're, it assumes that you know a lot of things about the Old Testament tabernacle from uh, the Old Testament of the Bible, right? And it says here that it's like this life-giving way into God's presence. It's not boring. It's not a distracting time. It's not just talking to the, into the air, but it's this life-giving experience is what prayer is supposed to be. And this is a big deal. It's a big change for the people that were reading these words in Hebrews because they didn't believe that they could themselves go into the presence of God. What they believed is that it had to be the holy man. It had to be the priest to go before the Lord for them. And you couldn't do it just anywhere. You had to go into the tabernacle, the religious building. Did anybody grow up in an environment where you thought or were led to believe that you had to go to a priest to hear your prayers? Or did anybody grow up in an environment where you were taught or it was just kind of assumed that you had to go into the church with the big uh, stained glass and the religious articles everywhere in order to get God to hear you? But in Hebrews here, it's saying, no, 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 that's not the deal. You can do it yourself. And not only can you do it yourself, you can go boldly into the presence of God wherever you are. Now, as I talk about uh, tabernacle there, I understand that some of you are very new to church, and you're like, Doug, what is a tabernacle? Okay, that's not something that I normally talk about. I know it's probably some type of religious building, but I want to go back in history to give you a sense of what the tabernacle was, okay? The Jewish people, maybe you've seen the movies, The Ten Commandments and Prince of Egypt, where they went through the parted sea to escape Egyptian slavery, and they ended up in a desert. And they ended up circling around for 40 years in the desert, and they didn't have a church building in the desert. So what they did was they set up this tent wall, and inside the tent wall was a tent. 
and there were some religious articles inside that tent wall and the tent within a tent wall, and that was called the tabernacle. See, the, the, the tabernacle. So uh, anyways, um, the tabernacle, what it is, the tabernacle prayer that you hold in your hand, and pull those out, by the way, because we're going to be referring to those. The tabernacle prayer is a plan to pray through, to break through. Because isn't that what we all want, right? We want to break through to a point where we don't just feel like we're saying words into the air, but we want to break through into the reality of the presence of God. Look, you don't like pray and get God to come. God's already there. It's you and I that have to wake up to the reality of God's presence, see? And so the tabernacle prayer is a plan for you and I. It's like a protocol into the presence of God. It's, it's a plan by which you can get into the presence of God. And, and um, I've been praying this tabernacle prayer over the past few days. And a couple of days ago, in fact, two of the, two of the days I've been praying it, I've been praying it for like uh, four days, and two of those days, I got to a point in this prayer where I hit the breakthrough point. Do you know what I mean when I say the breakthrough point? Okay, you start praying and you really don't sense anything. You don't sense God's presence is there. But a couple of those days, and particularly one day, I got to the breakthrough point in my prayer. And it was like I was overwhelmed with the reality of God's loving presence with me in the room in private. And the tears started flowing down. I don't know why. It's like, and it wasn't just a little bit of testosterone leaking out of the corner of my eye. It was like that heaving, like I'm having an asthma attack kind of crying, <laughs> you know, like that. Because I sensed his love for me. And I started thinking about some of the worst things that I've ever done in my life that make me feel so guilty. But I could only sense the overwhelming love of God for me and that through the cross of Jesus, those things were completely and totally eradicated, the worst things I've ever done, and that he only accepts me now as a loving father, and I was overwhelmed with his presence that was so tangible, you could like cut it with a knife into the air, and that's what I want for all of you in your prayer times, is that you would pray through to break through and sense his presence and hear from him and experience his healing in your life. And today I'm gonna guide you through the tabernacle prayer handout so that you can pray it. Now I'm not gonna spoon feed you and just give you each word to say. This is like a prayer outline is what it is. And if you'd like, you can take some notes as we go through this together. But um, my challenge to you today is this. I'm gonna ask you to consider for seven days in a row during our 21 days of prayer, for, set, for the next seven days, pray the tabernacle prayer at least once a day and see if you don't break through into the presence of God. And so with the help of some music today and um, with teaching, we're going to go through the tabernacle prayer. Now, as we enter into the tabernacle and you look on your handout there, you'll see the first thing that the priest would come to as they walked into the tabernacle there is they would come to something called the brazen altar. And I put a picture up of the brazen altar, and when you look at it, you would see what looks like a big square barbecue pit almost. But when you see the brazen altar, don't think like tasty Texas barbecue. Think like animals being sacrificed to God there. Think these, you know, blood 
and mess. And thank God that Jesus died on the cross for you and I so that we don't have to bring like animal sacrifices to church to, to be sacrificed on behalf of people's sins. That is all gone because of what Jesus has done on the cross. Therefore, the brazen altar represents for you and I today the cross and what Jesus did for us there on the cross. We don't take for granted what he did there. You ever go into church or you see a cross around someone's neck and you just take it for granted? We don't take for granted the cross of Christ. We continually want to say, Jesus, thank you. God, thank you for the cross. In fact, I want us to make a declaration together today as a part of, as we're here at the brazen altar, which is the cross for you and I, and we're going to make a declaration out loud, and it's, God, thank you for the cross. So when I point to you, would you say it with me? Here we go. Ready? Here we go. God, thank you for the cross. And so what you just did there is you began your tabernacle prayer experience today by saying, God, thank you for the cross. And as you keep praying, and you can pray with your eyes open, even as I'm talking to you, as you're praying and experiencing uh, the Lord here in our presence today, just silently pray, God, thank you for the cross because it provided salvation for my sin. See what you're doing in the tabernacle prayer? You're, when you get to the brazen altar, you're thanking God for the cross and all its many benefits. God, it provided salvation. It provided healing for my inner wounds. It provided redemption from the curse of the law. You know what that is? That's like I could not fulfill all the demands and all the legalistic rules of the law. But God, thank you that the cross delivered me from having to even know all those religious rules that would have to be follow. Thank you that you provided for me a new nature. That is, you've changed my heart because I believed in the cross, and you've given me a whole new heart. I no longer have a heart of stone, but I have a heart of flesh that is soft towards you. And as we continue to pray through, to break through, the next thing you would see as you walk into the tabernacle, like you can see there at the top of your handout, as you keep walking, the next thing you would see is something called the laver, and it represents washing and cleansing. What the priests would do is they walked in, they would wash their hands in the laver, and they would wash their feet. And they would look down at it, and the water would reflect in the bowl, and they would see themselves. It looked almost like a mirror there. And it looked like they could examine their lives and look in the mirror and see themselves. And so as we go into music and reflection here for just a minute, what I want you to do is think. Ask God, God, what do I need to be washed from? What, I, what do I need to be cleansed from? As you get to this point in the tabernacle prayer of the laver, you're asking God, God, search my heart. God, have I sinned in any way this week? Have I been involved in hatred? Have I had hateful attitudes or spoken wrong things or engaged in uh, lewd activities that would grieve you, Holy Spirit? And so what I want you to do right now is just stay seated. And as the band leads us in this song, I, some of you can sing along, but as you sing, what I want you to do is uh, say the words out loud, because I know some of you, some of you are going to sing and it's going to be fine. This song's going to be like your prayer. Some of you usually just sit there during the music, I know that, or you stand there because you're like, don't consider yourself musical, but what I want you to do, even if you don't sing, would you just speak the words as they come up on the screen? And the reason I want you to speak these words is because these words are going to be your prayer asking God to search your heart and cleanse you. And so, yeah. yeah. So as we continue in prayer, 
you're kind of praying with your eyes open, just with that thing that comes to your mind as the Lord searches your heart that you need to confess is sin, just in your own heart and mind, just confess it to him. Say, God, I confess these harsh words. I confess um, the things that I put before my eyes that I should not have. I confess the way I treated someone, and I ask for your forgiveness and cleansing. And I trust in the promise of 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we confess it to you. We offer you our bodies and our minds now in Jesus' name. Amen. And so after the priests would have washed their hands, and after you get to the point in the tabernacle prayer at the laver where you've cleaned yourself and confessed sin, you're ready to go to the next point in the progression here. And the next thing you would see as you go into the tabernacle is the candlestick. The candlestick, or um, it represents the Holy Spirit. And uh, the seven lights on the candle are representative of seven benefits of the Spirit of God. This comes from the Old Testament book of Isaiah, if you want to look that up later on. And what you'll see listed there are seven benefits there of the Holy Spirit that you can have. And the first one is this, the Spirit of the Lord, that is a filling of the Holy Spirit in your life. Have you ever had your heart grow cold? You believed in Christ, you're a believer, but it starts to wane, you start to get cold towards the things of God. Just pray for a filling of the Holy Spirit in your life to rejuvenate you. And then the Holy Spirit, the second thing is he gives us wisdom. Um, You need wisdom from the Holy Spirit. And so at this point in the tabernacle prayer, you're praying, Holy Spirit, not only fill me, but give me wisdom because I need big, I have big decisions I'm about to make and I need your wisdom for those decisions. Then a third thing is understanding from the Holy Spirit for your current circumstances. And then the next thing is counsel from the Holy Spirit on what to do about your current circumstances and then might to accomplish what God has called you to do. Um, And then knowledge to know what your next step in life is. And then pray for the fear of the Lord that is a reverence and honor for God. And so as we sing this song about the Holy Spirit, as we welcome the Holy Spirit among us, what I want you to do is just place your hands out. Place your hands out. And can you stand and place your hands out at the same time? And as you're placing your hands out, you're asking the Holy Spirit in your mind for these seven things, right? For the Spirit of the Lord, for wisdom, understanding, counsel, and might, knowledge, and the fear of of the Lord. So let's welcome the Holy Spirit through music. Amen. Amen. You guys go ahead and take a seat. And so when you come to the candlestick, you're saying, Holy Spirit, welcome, is what you're doing. But as we go further into the tabernacle, as you'll see in your handout, we come to the table of what's called the showbread, which represents the Word of God or uh, the Bible. Now, the priest would regularly set the showbread out, and since they did it on regular intervals, by the time the bread became stale, it was replaced with fresh bread. Now, I'm sorry I'm not doing anyone a favor if you're uh, fasting from bread right now, but as you think about hot, fresh bread, that's what uh, this point of the tabernacle prayer is about. And so this is like us making a declaration, God, please give me a fresh word. Does anybody need a fresh word from God today? 
And so here, let's make that declaration to God as we stand here before the table of showbread. Are you ready? When I point to you, let's say it together. God, please give me a fresh word. Here we go. You ready? God, please give me a fresh word. We need fresh bread for our souls. And as you pray through the tabernacle prayer at home, in your room, in your closet, at your cubicle, um, in your car, however you do it, you get to this point, you're asking God by his spirit, give me a fresh word. Um, one of the things about um, the word in the Bible is that the word is not just uh, uh, the Bible, but it's, it's Jesus. Jesus is called the word of God. He's called the bread of life. And he wants to give you and I living words, a word for our current circumstances through the scriptures, through the Holy Spirit speaking to us in our prayer times. Now, after passing the showbread, the priest would come to the altar of incense. And as you and I go to pray at the altar of incense, um, it represents worship. Now, some of you remember the smell of incense in Catholic church, right? You remember that? You'd walk in there and you smelled that, didn't you? Others of you remember the smell of incense when you'd been smoking weed and you wanted to cover up the smell <laughs> of weed at your place, right? And some of you it was both. You smoked weed at home, you went to Catholic church, it smelled like incense, and you were good. Nobody could smell you, see? But what incense was in this context is that the incense was like this aroma, this fragrant aroma that would rise up to God. He sees our worship like Incense. And so the Jewish people, as they would worship him, they pictured their worship going up to God and that he would smell it and it would smell good to him. So with this in mind, I'm going to say some of the names of God because one of the ways that we can worship God and praise him and give him props is by speaking his names. And so I'm going to speak out the names of God. When I speak these names, they're going to come up on the screen and I'll speak the name and you guys speak out loud the meaning of the name. You ready to do it? And I hope that this will be like incense to the Lord. Ready? El Elyon. There you go. Let's try it again. El Elyon. Adonai. See, God, as we come before you and we call you El Elyon, the most high God, there's no president or king above you, God. There's no one in all the universe who's above you. And as we call you master, we're saying we don't want to just be spiritual moochers and receiving your grace all the time without following you and obeying you and serving you. Let's get to the next name. Jehovah Jireh. So God, we're proclaiming through that name that we know you're going to provide for all of our needs as we trust you. Jehovah Rapha. Lord heals. You do heal us, Lord. You heal our inner wounds. You heal our physical bodies when we pray to you in faith. Here's the next one. Jehovah Shalom. Lord, God, you are our peace. You're our inner peace in the midst of the storms of this life. Look at the next one. Jehovah Shammah. You're here, Lord. You're not just a figment of our imagination, but you're really here surrounding us. And finally, we reach what's called the Holy of Holies, the Lord's presence at the mercy seat or the Ark of the Covenant. Now, this represents intercession or prayer requests. And the reason it represents that is because the priests would come before the Ark of the Covenant and they would 
intercede or pray for the people. Now, the ark was like this square golden box, just like on the Indiana Jones movie, Raiders of the Lost Ark. They did a good job of representing that. And uh, on top of it would be these angels that were covering their eyes with their wings because the presence of the Lord is so holy and so amazing. And as the priests came into the presence of God, and as you and I pray the tabernacle prayer, and we come into the presence of God, now we're there. We're there. He's there with us. And we can bring our needs before him. Did you notice how long you get into the tabernacle prayer before you start asking for stuff? That's good prayer protocol to make sure and do things in order. And so uh, in the Old Testament, only the priest could go into the Holy of Holies, into the presence of God. But when Jesus died on the cross, he tore the veil. Now you're saying, what do you mean the veil? In fact, we're about to sing a song about those words he tore the fail. Have you ever heard worship songs where it says he tore the fail and you're wondering what, what was going on there? Is there they're like some dude tearing a veil at a bride's wedding or something like that? I mean, what, what's going on? No, it's not that. Here's what's going on. Scholars tell us that there were three feet worth of veil or curtain between the Holy of Holies and the other room. See, before you got in there, you had to go through, like the priest had to go through a maze of these veils or these curtains, thick material. And when Jesus died on the cross, in that moment, in the temple, that three feet thick curtain all split in two. It was torn from top to bottom. And you know what that means. That means common people like you and I, not just the priest, get to go into the Holy of Holies. We can go boldly. We can actually charge in without worrying about dying or something like that, you know, in the presence of God. We can go in and we can experience him and make intercession. And so during this last song that we're going to sing together, um, um, I'm going to invite you to come down and kneel and pray in his presence. We have four prayer stations that, uh, on either side of me in the front room and in the back room right in front of the screens there, right in front of the little tables there. And as you come to the Holy of Holies, the, uh, the mercy seat or the ark, in your personal times, you'll pray for those in authority over us, like the president. Some of you really don't like the president or the president-elect, but we're to pray for them. They need our prayers. These guys are only human beings, and they need our prayers. We pray for our governor. We pray for the mayor. We also pray for our family members by name. You can pray for your church. Man, our staff, we need your prayers. We need to pray that God would protect the renovation of our building over there, the Cameo Theater. Then the next thing we can pray for is our city. We can pray for our nation, that there would be healing. There's uh, racial tension in, uh, in our country right now, right? In fact, tomorrow is the, the MLK March, and I hope that many of you will attend that. And as you do that walk, you pray, God, I want to be a part of the healing of the racial divide in this country that the enemy is trying to create barriers between us. We want to pray for our world, that God would protect our world from wars and from refugees who are suffering. And we want to pray also for our personal needs. That's the last thing you can see on your sheet there. 
pray for your personal needs. Perhaps some of you are praying for the money for your electric bill or you're praying for a job or some of you guys are like, man, I want a woman. God, I'm praying for a woman. Some of you later are like, I need a man, right? I want to pray for me, a, a good man, or I want to pray for healing in my physical body or I've got a wound inside. But look, earlier today, I was thinking about this moment and here in a minute, we're going to stand and you, know, you guys are invited to come to these uh, front and pray. And when we were doing the run-through, where we kind of run through all the songs and everything to make sure the service is just right for you guys, um, Natalie back here was staying here with her daughter, Espy, and I brought a picture. I took a picture at that moment, and I want to show you that picture. That's Jake and Natalie and their little baby, Espy. Now, Espy is not walking yet, um, and she's a beautiful little girl. And when, when you saw that picture of Espy, you all were like, oh, you know. But what I want you to understand is is that when you come to kneel before the Lord, that's how he views you. He's like, oh, here he comes. Oh, here she comes. You know, Espy's not walking yet, but when she starts walking and she's going before her parents and maybe she falls down on her knees or whatever, what will they do for her? They'll lovingly grab her and pick her up. Jake, what would you do for Natalie? Anything, right? I mean, anything. I know him. And I know Jake and Natalie love Espy. And that's the way the Lord feels about you right now as you come before him. And so do you think that when you come before him and you present your needs, you go through this little list here and you're looking down the list at the, the mercy seat and you're praying for your family and you're praying for your needs what do you think he's going to think and feel when you come and present these things to you? He's going to feel, oh, I'm so glad she came. I'm so glad he came. So would you guys join me in standing up now? And you can bring your little uh, list here, your little form, and come now to the front and kneel and pray if there's space to present your needs before the Lord as you sing this last song. So, Lord, as we've come before you, we thank you that you're a good father that loves us, that provides for our needs, that sees us with compassion and love. And as we continue in prayer, perhaps there's someone who's sensed something, felt something, that like God is really there, and maybe you've never felt that in your whole life. And that could be the Spirit of God drawing you to a relationship with God. And if that's your situation, maybe you'd want to pray something like this. Just pray, God, look, I know I've sinned. And the best I know how, I choose to believe that Jesus died on the cross to take the penalty for my sin. And I welcome you into my life. And it's in your name we pray. Everyone said, amen, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.